The Rangers offense is back and better than ever with a 15-5 victory to head into the final off day of the season with a 10-run win. We're going to break down what went right for the Rangers in this series with the Red Sox and more. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including five as the host and founder of the Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making us your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, today is Thursday, September 21st. Your Rangers are 84 and 68. At this point, as I am recording this, the Rangers are holding the third wild card spot in what will probably end up being a tie with the Seattle Mariners, unless the A's have some uh, really great comeback here in these last five, or last three innings, which I don't necessarily see happening. Or if um, I believe it's the Blue Jays blow a game tonight against. Uh, the Yankees, I don't really particularly see that happening. The Rangers, just a half game back in the AOS from those stinking Houston Astros who pulled one out to not get swept at home against the Orioles. So close to an Orioles sweep, and the Rangers heading into this weekend series atop the AOS with a half game lead on the Astros. That would have been really nice. That would have been just super fantastic. But alas, it is not to be. But the Rangers did take two out of three in this series against the Boston Red Sox, and this team scored 15 unanswered runs 15 unanswered runs in a span of six innings like just absolutely phenomenal masterful beautiful job by this offense of not getting down not getting distraught early they were down four to nothing by the time they got to bat in the second inning and by the time they were done batting in the second inning they had a six to four lead which they would maintain and that would have been enough to win this game. It would have been a lot more nerve-wracking, but it would have been enough to win this game. But no, the Rangers said, uh-uh, six runs is enough. Eight runs isn't good enough. Ten runs isn't good enough. Thirteen runs isn't good enough. Fifteen runs is what we want, and fifteen runs is what they got, because this offense absolutely annihilated Brian Bayo. It got to the point where I kind of, I, I did feel bad for Brian Bayo. He had an incredibly difficult second inning of work where the Rangers dropped 16 or six runs on him, not 16 runs in one inning. That would be, I'm pretty darn sure that would be an MLB record for most runs scored in a single inning. But the Rangers got to him. He threw about 38 pitches in that second inning of work. It was looking like it was going to be a, a difficult day for both sides because John Gray was getting lit up early. And the first at bat, first plate appearance of the game was an eight pitch walk by Marcus Simeon. And I thought, okay, now, this is going to be a bit of a slugfest because neither of these guys has their command. It wasn't just that it was an eight-pitch walk, but there were quite a few pitches that were just severely missing the mark by Brian Bayo, like not close misses. And, well, it turns out it was a uh, one-two-three inning because uh, Corey Seager flew out and then Nathaniel Lowe grounded into a double play. And I thought, well, maybe not. And then Rangers go into the bottom of the second inning with that four-run deficit. 
And it did not matter because the Rangers offense was clicking on every single cylinder that has ever existed. It was a fantastic inning because it started off with a Josh Young single, a Dolores Garcia walk, and then before he could blink, a Jonah Heim time 18th bomb of the season, a three-run bomb. Rangers are down now just four to three. And then before you could blink again, Mitch Garver comes up and hits a home run. Then you get a Leone Tavares single, an Evan Carter double, a Marcus Simeon single to score a pair. Then Corey Seager grounds into a double play, and Nathaniel Lowe grounds out 6-4 Rangers, which, funny enough, of all the hard-hit balls, which there were quite a few hard-hit balls, almost every single, actually every single ball that they hit in the second inning was a hard hit ball outside of, I believe it was just Corey Seager and the hardest hit ball of the inning. Um, yeah, Corey Seager had that double play was 89.9 miles an hour off the bat, but the hardest, his hardest hit ball of that inning was Nathaniel Lowe's 110.6 mile an hour ground up. The, the Rangers were just absolutely dominating Brian Bayo. And you thought, okay, well, he had a, a tough inning, but he, he came back out there. He got a couple of strikeouts in the bottom of the third inning. He got Josh Young and Joel Garcia to expand the zone, which was really frustrating because he just was not hitting his spots. And you think with both of those guys that I was really impressed with their bats in the second inning is that they were not expanding the zone. Adoles Garcia took that walk. Josh Young waited till he got a pitch that he could handle, and then he got a single, which was initially ruled a uh, an error and then was later changed to a single because it was 99 miles an hour off the bat. It was a tough play for the second baseman, and I thought it was pretty rough to charge him for an error in there, and I thought Josh Young really deserved that hit, which he did. But with two outs, the Rangers rallied yet again. Jonah Heim worked a walk. Mitch Garver was hit by a pitch. I was really frustrated with Leo Tavares because, you know, Jonah Heim was having a patient at bat and Mitch Garver was having a fairly patient at bat and, and making him work and making Brian Bayo throw a lot of pitches. Brian Bayo has been their best starter this year. This has been the Red Sox, you know, number one this year. He's been very good. He's been very good um, just in general. And for whatever reason, the Red Sox kind of left him to the wolves. Leo Tavares really expanded the zone his first couple of pitches of that at-bat in the third inning, but he was able to work it back to, I believe it was an even count, and then drive a single right up the middle, make it a 7-4 to four ball game. Then Evan Carter worked a 3-1 count and hit a uh, a single. Um, actually, that was just he, he took one pitch and then took the other one and a, a single as well. Marcus Simeon worked a walk, and then... Uh, that was a bases loaded walk to drive in the eighth run of the game. Then Corey Seager had a uh, weak ground out for Corey Seager standards. But this team working these deep counts and working at bats. And by the way, there was nobody warming until I believe Marcus Simeon's walk. That was the first time that somebody was warming. And this was like a 25, 26 pitch inning. It might've gotten all the way up to 30 in the third inning after he had just had a 38 pitch inning. And like, I, I'm all for whatever, like you want to, be a hard A and teach your guy a lesson. He's 24 years old. This is by far his career high in innings pitched. Last year in in Boston, he threw 57 innings in his first career, um, 57 in the third innings in his first career outing in, or first career season in the big leagues. This year, he's got 27 starts under his belt, a 151 innings pitched. That is a big old jump. I don't know how many he pitched in the minor leagues, but it felt like I don't know why, but the Red Sox were just leaving him to the Wolves. And then Valley Sports Southwest showed in the dugout after that third inning when Bayo was eventually pulled for Robertson, who was um, somehow even worse than, than Bayo and allowed five runs in his two innings of work. 
there was just an icy stare down between him and Cora, Bayo and Cora. And I don't know what Bayo could have possibly done to warrant being left out there to learn some sort of lesson. But that's just kind of the difference between where the Rangers are and where the Boston Red Sox are is Boston Red Sox are pretty much completely out of it. I don't think they're officially eliminated from the wild card race, but they're all but eliminated from the wild card race. And the Rangers made the choice to go with a quick hook and take John Gray out when he was struggling. The Red Sox didn't, and it really made all the difference in the world. Coming up, we're going to look at what that quick hook for John Gray means, a little bit more about the depth of this lineup, and Martin Perez having the game of his freaking life at the most important time for the Rangers. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy it to all the tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With Kill Deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype about the fun you're going to have. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You've got image, uh, images of seat views so you know exactly what to expect once you get there. They've got the lowest price guarantee, even event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and etc. You know, they've got all kinds of different stuff you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're all set if you want to get some tickets to this weekend series against seattle that's gonna be a a tough tough ticket to get but i'm willing to bet there's some some pretty good tickets on game time you got to go check it out download the game time app create an account and use code locked on mlb for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code locked on mlb for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Shout out to the editors for making Lockdown Raiders your first listen every single day on tomorrow's show, on Friday's show, I should say. I'm going to have the Cespedes Family Barbecue Boys on. It's going to be a great, great episode. Make sure that y'all tune in there. Very excited to have them on the show. The Rangers take on the Mariners this weekend. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, John Gray did not have his best stuff in this outing. He was getting hard hit just as much as Brian Bayo was in the first couple of innings. I believe there's only uh, one one batter that put the ball in play that it wasn't a hard hit ball. It, he was just getting absolutely lit up. He had one strikeout, one walk in two and a third innings of work, four hits, four runs, all of them earned, and a couple of home runs that were absolute moonshot no-doubters. This was yet another frustrating experience with John Gray. I mean, he is the most hot and cold. You're yes and you're no. You're in and you're out, as the Katy Perry song says. That, that that song was actually written about John Gray. People don't realize that, but it was actually written about John Gray. In his last three starts, he has failed to get through four innings every single timeout. He has allowed at least three runs in all of those starts, including one of them that was against the Oakland freaking A's. Like, this is... This is really frustrating. This is not what John Gray wants. This is not what the Rangers want or need. With Nathan Evaldi not being his, you know, full Nathan Evaldi self, and uh, Dane Dunning is probably your number two starter at this point, which is kind of nuts to say, but he's kind of backed it up all year long. Dane Dunning has been very, very good. He has had some bad outings, but you needed John Gray in this start. You need him in all of his starts down the stretch. But also, you need to be able to feel confident if you can pull him to put the bullpen in there and feel okay about what's going to go on. And the Rangers seem to have found the answer in Martin Perez. 
he, he was absolutely phenomenal this one. Maybe, maybe he was a bit melodramatic with the game of his life because he did have that complete game shutout in Houston last year, which was just so much fun. Honestly, so much fun. But in his last seven games, Martin Perez seems to have figured it out in the bullpen. Those are all those are all games that he has pitched out of the pen. He's got a 132 ERA in that span, 13 and two-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts, two walks, just two earned runs, a whip of 0.95, including in this one. A phenomenal job in a game that was still very much a close game for most of it. I mean, the Rangers kept pulling away and pulling away and pulling away, but giving the Rangers this length, and so they only had to use two innings for the rest of their bullpen. Martin Perez went four and two-thirds innings, just three hits, one walk, five strikeouts, and just weak contact after weak contact after weak contact. My Martin Perez agenda lives. It is thriving. I am thriving in this to the point where, I don't know, if John Gray has another bad start, which is entirely possible, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he looks like against the Anaheim Angels of Anaheim of Los Angeles of California of, of that whole bit. Uh, I believe he's going to start on Monday. I think that's what this rotation is going to look like. The Rangers are going to use that off day that they have their final off day of the season to reset their rotation and not have to throw um, either Cody Bradford or Martin Perez or Andrew Heaney in a game uh, this weekend against the Mariners. They're just going to have one start, which I believe is going to be against those Anaheim Angels of whatever on Tuesday. So I think the the rotation in Anaheim is going to go John Gray, one of Cody Bradford or whoever. We, we saw Cody Bradford warming in this one, but thankfully he did not get used. So I think he's going to start. The Rangers are going to have probably a shorter leash on him than they had on Sunday's game when he got absolutely lit up against the Cleveland Guardians. He will have more time to get ready if the Rangers don't have to use him in a long relief role at any point in between now and and then, which I'm hoping is going to be the case. Um, but credit to Bruce Bochy for knowing his staff and, and knowing that, hey, this is a time to pull John Gray. This is the time where I absolutely needed to do that because this is a game we cannot freaking lose. This is, none of these games are losable, especially when you come back from down 4 nothing. And you throw John Gray out there to get that one out. You think, okay, that's it. That is all. We got what we needed from John Gray. Good enough job. Not just the completest of blow-up starts. Still still a blow-up start. Still not good. Still not what you want from the guy who, at this point, should probably be your number two starter. If not number one. But he's not because he's not consistent. And you never know what you're going to get with him. If he can just get one... He's got one two starts the rest of the season just give two good starts go into the playoffs feeling good about yourself maybe have a decent playoff start um but like the rangers really really needed this game to be good from john gray it wasn't but it showed the resilience of this team to be able to come back in that and i mean if he has a bad start on in anaheim then it might be time to pull john gray out of this rotation which feels wild to say but Again, like I said with Martin Perez, he is looking like the best version of himself. When you've sent him the pen, he voiced his displeasure. He said, I'm not happy about it, but I should have just pitched better, and I wouldn't have lost my start, my starting spot in the rotation. But Gray has been just incredibly inconsistent over his last seven games. He's got a 6.5 ERA. If you look over his last 15 starts, he's got a 5.5 ERA and 30 walks in 75 in a third innings, like just a whip of 1.5 in those last 15 starts. It's just been... It's been very not good for John Gray. When the Rangers have needed him the most, he, it's it's like they say in uh, Avatar: Last Airbender. When the Rangers needed him most, he vanished for over a hundred years. 
frozen in ice. Except instead of being frozen in ice, he was just absolutely shellacked by the Boston Red Sox and their offense. Not a great day for John Gray. Not what the Rangers needed from him. But huge kudos to Bruce Bochy for not only firing this team up, but putting the right guys in the lineup instead of giving Robbie Grossman a day. He kept his his normal DH in Mitch Garver. He switched the lineup around a little bit, put Mitch Garver hitting seventh. And I mean, again, one through nine, this lineup can hang with just about anybody. Coming up, we're going to look a little bit closer at that and why it's making me reconsider my stance on bringing up Wyatt Langford. Not just because of what Wyatt Langford is doing, because of what everybody in this offense is doing. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player pops, odds, over-unders, and more. You can bet on the NFL if you're feeling good about those Dallas Cowboys. If you're feeling good about your Texas Rangers, there's all kinds of baseball odds as well. If you're betting on the Rangers to win the AOS, I'm not exactly sure what their odds are right now, but... I bet they're not as good as they were two months ago, but still, if you're feeling confident in this Rangers team and you want to go put your money where your mouth is, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Monday's show. We might just be having a crossover with Locked On Mariners to break down this ginormous, ginormous series this weekend. The Rangers take on the Mariners this weekend. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, this offense, I mean, 15 runs. What? 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 15 runs after an anemic weekend in Cleveland, after an amazing week in Toronto, and after a not super great first game of the series against Boston. It, was, it should have been enough to win. The, the Rangers should have swept the series, but again, bullpen troubles. But th- this offense, I've heard so many complaints about this offense and about how this offense is just actually mid. Actually, this offense is not that good. Actually, this offense was a bunch of frauds all season long, and I was right to never believe in them. No. If you're feeling like that, you're wrong. You are silly. You are acting childish. And just stop doing that. But the Rangers have five bats in their lineup who were all-stars this season. And at points, Mitch Garver has performed like an all-star. But there's this note from Kennedy Landry of MLB.com who said that the Rangers haven't had all five of the all-stars in their lineup before, I think it was yesterday, yesterday's game, since July. Since July, I believe it was the 21st. So for all this Rangers tailspinning that's been done and the offense you know, taking a step back, you take that many guys out of the lineup, and eventually they're going to take some steps back. Now, the guys who were replacing them, for the most part, stood up and, and did a, a half-decent job. Ezekiel Duran had had some moments when he stepped in for Josh Young. Josh Smith had his moments as well. I mean, had some great, great games from Mitch Garver when he stepped up and showed out. But, I mean, there was some, some huge blowback from Leo Tavares. Some, we didn't see Evan Carter for a while. I mean, it was just... There was only so much you can do, and and Marcus Simeon and and Corey Seager were were doing their absolute best. They they didn't have to do much in this one, thankfully. But during that stretch, I mean, you take that many all stars out of the lineup, no team is going to score 
10 runs a game every single day. Like it's just not it's not reasonable to expect anything like that. But the depth of this lineup is truly sensational. Louis Tavares has been on an absolute heater as of late. In his last 30 games, he's hitting over 300, but on base of 364 and slugging 433. In his last 15 games, he's hitting 383 with an on base of 455. He's got an on base of 435 in his last seven games as well. So still only one home run in that 30-game span. There's been a few of the balls that were hit to the warning track that I thought might leave the yard really would like to get him a few more home runs. But if he's getting ba- on base at a rate like this, I mean, two for three with a walk in this one. I mean, the last game, he was one for two with two walks and then got a walk in the first game of the series too while playing exceptional defense in center field. And then you have the rookie, Evan Carter, three for four day pinch hit four for Robbie Grossman, even though he had a chance at the cycle. Really would have loved to seen him get a chance to actually hit for the cycle. His second career double, his second career homer, his, um, I don't know, whatever career single, a three-hit day, a two-RBI day, a two-run score day, just a phenomenal job. His OPS is up to 1,032 on the season, hitting 314. He has been absolutely sensational. Leo Tavares has upped his OPS for the season up to 742. I mean, this lineup is just so incredibly dangerous. And the Jonah Heim home run, I mean, him finding his swing and him having patient at bats and him just doing damage is absolutely exceptionally important for this lineup. I mean, just so, so huge for this lineup. We almost got to the point where pretty much everybody in the starting lineup has an OPS over 800. Jonah Heim's took that pretty precipitous dip when he came back and for 10, 14 ish games just did not look like himself. But again, when all these guys are hot or even most of these guys are hot because Corey Seager didn't have the best at bats. He still had an RBI and a run scored and a double in this one because that's what he does his 41st double of the season because why not? I mean, but the, everybody in this game piling on and even Josh Young getting in on the action, a three hit day, a two RBI day, three runs scored for him. A couple of strikeouts that weren't super pretty, but getting on the board with that home run, his first since coming back off the IL. I know that felt great for him. Only took him three games to get back in the home run column, 23 home runs for him. Reminding people, hey, I deserve some love and the rookie of the year award race too. And what did Gunnar Henderson do? He just had a, a one for, for four day and, and didn't sweep the Astros, which is honestly very rude of him. And I think for that reason alone, they should they should not vote him for AL Rookie of the Year. And it, should, it should go to Josh Young. But I digress. I mean, this lineup, so incredibly good, so incredibly talented, so incredibly deep. And because you have Evan Carter and Leo Tavares and even Robbie Grossman, who has got his OPS on the season up to 740, he has been on a tear as of late. And the Rangers just don't have room for him because they don't really need him because he's not better than Adolis Garcia. He's not better than Evan Carter right now. He's not better than Leo Tavares right now. And so he's also not better than Mitch Garver. So he's not really getting those at-bats. The Rangers did give him a plate appearance in this one, which I think was ultimately the right call. Would have been fun to see Evan Carter go for the triple in the cycle. But I mean, it's a 15 to four game at that point. There's not really any use rolling your eyes or you know, criticizing pretty much anything that was going on at that point. But still, this lineup is incredibly deep, incredibly solid. This is reminiscent of the 2021 San Francisco Giants lineup that was the best lineup in all of baseball that year. And because of the coaching staff that they have, because of the offensive approach that they have, because of the talented players that they have, there's not really a need 
for you to go ahead and call up Wyatt Langford, which feels insane. For a little while, I was saying, oh, the Rangers don't need Wyatt Langford because they have Robbie Gosman. But the real the real reason is that they don't need Wyatt Langford because Leo Tavares is on an absolute heater as of right now. He is absolutely doing his job. He is having prolonged plate appearances. He is being annoying at the bottom of the order. He's getting on base. He is doing the things that you want from your center fielder that is your number eight hole hitter. And Evan Carter, having a three-hit day like this, playing great defense, being a super pesky at bat, just having these great, great plate appearances. That is what you want from him. And then, or you're going to put him in over Mitch Garver, who has been absolutely sensational in 883 OPS in the big leagues this year, just had his, uh, what was it, 18th home run of the season, which is kind of insane that Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim have the same amount of home runs this year, while Mitch Garver has played like, what, 40, 50 fewer games? Garver on the season has, um, let's see, where'd we go? Um, 78 games played this year, whereas uh, Jonah Heim got his 18th home run of the season in what is his 121st game of the season. So the Mitch Garver power experience is absolutely exceptional. And it kind of asked some questions about next year, about what this Rangers lineup is going to do, because they're going to have the same problem. I mean, you have to figure out who's going to be your everyday center fielder, whether it's going to be Louis Tavares or Evan Carter. And uh, if Wyatt Langford forces his way in the conversation because he just might he has been that freaking good it is a very good problem to have it is something the rangers might address via a trade i think ezekiel duran might be on the trading block this offseason which i don't think it's going to be for relief pitching would have liked to have seen him have a much better second half and you know a better august when he was stepping in for for josh young then that trade value would have been sky high and the Rangers had a real problem a real question about what they were going to do in left field because at this point this year I, I didn't think Evan Carter was going to be up I thought it was going to be Leody Tavares pretty much every day in left field and or, or in center field and Ezekiel Duran every day in left field and then you know Adoles Garcia in right field but next year you had a question you had a real question of what are you going to do because the Rangers don't have a whole lot of spots in their lineup to fill next year, which is a very good thing to have because most of this lineup is locked up for the long term. The only real question, it seems like it's going to be a DH. So do the Rangers try and re-sign Garver? I think they should. I think signing to the qualifying offer, which he'll be, you know, available for, it'll probably be around like 19 or almost 20 million for one year, which sounds like a lot for Mitch Garver, a guy who does have a lot of injury concerns, but we have seen the Mitch Garver that can make a huge difference. If you play him carefully, if you are, you know, very, very judicious with his at-bats and his games played, if you are, you know, keeping him injury-free and have him down the stretch, how much of an impact he, he can make. I mean, the Rangers have been in such a rough way, basically since that Jonaheim injury. But without Mitch Garver, it would have been so, 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 so much worse. You would have seen a lot more Sam Huff. You would have seen a lot more Austin Hedges, which no shade to either of those guys, but they are nowhere near the offensive firecracker that Mitch Garver is. Like the Rangers have needed him so badly and to be able to have that second catcher who is your everyday DH, who's providing this level of power is incredibly important. And, um, well, the Rangers have some questions as to what they're going to do. Maybe they'll end up trading Leo Tavares, putting Evan Carter as your everyday center fielder and saying Wyatt Langford is ready for an everyday left field spot. I don't think the Rangers will really know that until camp next year. And my thought that maybe they were going to promote Wyatt Langford up to the big leagues. I mean, what you can take Evan Carter out of the lineup every day when he's got a 
1,032 OPS and hitting 314. You can take Leo Tavares out when he's got a 400 on base over the last 15 games and plays much, much better defense than Wyatt Langford. You can take Mitch Garver out, who, again, has been absolutely mashing basically since the 4th of July. I don't think you necessarily are. And so maybe the Rangers answer that with calling up Langford anyway and making me look incredibly stupid, but I don't think they do. And I mean, man... Like I said, when this lineup is clicking on all cylinders, and the fact that it is so locked in that pretty much everybody in this lineup, outside of Mitch Garver, is is you know under contract for at least another two seasons after this, just such incredibly good news for this Texas Rangers team. I mean, man, if you had just gotten a decent start from John Gray, you could feel a little bit, little bit good about the bullpen not having to do too much work. And um, but that's not where this Rangers team is. The Rangers team is flawed. It does need the occasional 15 run outing from the offense to take a series against the scuffling Boston Red Sox. It does occasionally need those comeback performances like it got on Tuesday. It does occasionally need the, you know, absolute annihilation in that four game series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Like occasionally this team does need that. It does make it more exciting, more nerve wracking, more stressful. But again, even though this is a flawed team, just like every freaking team in the big leagues, this is a good freaking team. This is one of the best offenses in baseball. It is trustworthy. It is good. It is filled top to bottom with stars, with depth. Even if you're bringing guys off the bench, like I said, all those guys are pretty freaking quality to have coming off of your bench. If Robbie Grossman is your first guy off your bench, bat-wise, then you are in a pretty darn good situation with how good he has been doing so far. And man, I cannot wait to watch this team absolutely feast on playoff pitching, whether it's against the Twins, whether it's against the Mariners, whether it's against the Blue Jays, Rays, Astros, Orioles. I don't freaking care. This offense can go toe-to-toe with anybody, can batter and bruise any pitching staff that is thrown out there. And if they are healthy, if they are all clicking at the same time, even if one of them or two of them or even three of them aren't, this lineup can absolutely be good enough to win you a world freaking series. That's going to do it for today's show. Again, be sure to tune in tomorrow with the Cespedes Family Barbecue Boys coming on. We talk a little bit about this season as a whole. Their national perspective on this team should be a lot of fun. Really, really looking forward to that. And then again on Monday to check out this Rangers Mariners series that could be one heck of a weekend. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy Playoff Chase Texas Rangers Baseball.